Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... The Good Book of Southern Baking by Kelly Fields. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. How you doing? I'd stop spilling shit on myself. I'd be a lot better. You gave me this drink. It's not even that full. There's like half an inch from the top, I would Easily. say. And I'm like spilling all over the place. And this is the first drink, so I can't even blame can't even blame it on the alcohol. You're just clumsy. Oh man. I'm a mess. You're cute. All right. I I'm I'm gonna rally. I'm gonna get it together. Do Welcome it. to episode twenty-four of Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Uh, let's get some housekeeping out of the way, shall we? Yes. All right. If you go to our website and click the store tab, it will direct you to the amazon.com affiliate link, which has a couple lists there. One being kitchen essentials for home cooks. The other one being some of our favorite cookbooks that we've featured over on the cooking the books, Instagram. And if you make a purchase from either of those lists, we get a few pennies in return. It doesn't cost you a Penny more, and <laughs> you get something that you want and support us along the way. There you go. That's all, right. all I'm going to say on the subject. Okay. All right. So let's talk about what we just finished. Okay. Uh, that would be Japanese Food Made Easy by Ayo Nishimura. I hope I pronounced that right. I probably didn't. You, no, I think you did. Um, that, was a, that was a fun one. And so we'll have a future episode it was good, Chatting and a couple, like one of the things that we made really was a pleasant surprise. I thought it was going to go one way. I know the dish you speak yes. of, milady. But it was great, milady. Are you going to tip your fedora at me now? <laughs> yes. Note to self, buy fedora. I think you have like 20 of them upstairs. I think you might be right. Note to self, clean out closet. Yes. <laughs> Uh, hey, what's up next? <laughs> we are doing, uh, you, you tell us what's next. Uh, we're going to do Amboy by Alvin Kalen, which I'm very excited about. Filipino yes. food. Our, uh, our neighbors, uh, next door, um, Rose, she's Filipino mm-hmm. and, um, occasionally we'll get a surprise knock on our door and there will be a container of lumpia yep. or spring rolls or just something that she decided to whip up. And it's always so cute because she gives an ingredient list and she's like, if you're if you're allergic, don't eat this. So so maybe we should recruit her as like the, the taste tester for our experiments once we start working through this book. That, oh. might, be some, that might be some pressure. I know, right? She might judge us. Judge, <laughs> judge us harshly. <laughs> I'd just be like, please, we don't want to wreck your food. Come on, we're Midwestern white people. We did the best we could. <laughs> All right. And then, hey, most importantly, what is for dinner tonight? Well, we kind of had a last minute switch up. Yep, we'll pivot. Um, we were we were going to do a chicken curry from Japanese Food Made e- Made Easy, which is our last dish from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, last night we ordered uh, pizza from Giordano's because it's been a it's been a hot minute. Yep. Um, and so I was kind of thinking that we don't want to have to go out tomorrow because we were going to have the pizza for le- p- the pizza leftovers for lunch tomorrow. Yep. But 
Uh, instead, we're going to have them for dinner tonight. Stimulating conversation for all the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> They're like, I don't give a shit what you're eating for dinner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm rambling on a lot about that. But to, anyway, we're having leftover deep dish pizza tonight. Yep. So I ain't mad at that. And me either. Um, before we dive into this week's featured book, our show topic for this week, uh, kind of a twist on what we discussed last week in episode 23. If you haven't listened to that yet, definitely check it out. Um, but this is foods you enjoyed as a child or maybe things that you consumed, um, but now dislike or just don't eat anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should clarify, like when we say as a child, it could be kind of young adult or teenager. Because yes. like a, a lot of my food memories and things that I built this list upon are from my teenage years or even like my, my young adult years. So we're not, we're not uh, too strict about the criteria, but just foods from your past that you remember eating and enjoying and that you no longer do. Mm. Um, You want to start? Yes. Um, Well, some of our um, followers wrote in their own submissions. We put this question out to the Instagram and got some great feedback. So Go for it. So at Kelly, or at, sorry, at Shelly KVD uh, said Velveeta. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, Exonatia, it's X-O-N-A-T-I-A-A-A uh, said avocado. Very which, odd because I that know. was on my list last week yes. of stuff that I did not eat as a child mm-hmm. that I kind of discovered in my adult life. Mm-hmm. So this weirdo was eating avocados as a child, and it ruined it for him. Right. Um, all right. Uh, Evergreen Spirit Living said plastic-wrapped American cheese. Classic. Come on. Well, I mean, it's Velveeta in yeah. like sheet form, so ugh, I, they, I get they it. Are, they are not alone in that. Um, and then Chopsticks Meets Fork uh, said nothing. Well, and last last week she for, strikes me as like having her stuff together. So right? she was probably like the kid that was like, "I'll eat everything." Well, e- and last, eating awesome stuff when she was growing up. Last week, you, you know, she she was like, "I liked everything." So she's she's good got for a, you. She's got a broad palate. I, I love her story posts and stuff. I'm a Agreed. big fan of hers. Yes, um, yeah. So thanks to everyone that. Uh, Submitted uh, their answers. Thanks for everyone that's been tuning in. Um, you want to start with with something on your list? Yes. Okay. Um, I used to love those can the big canned black olives. Really? Like, yes, I loved them, and they had the big holes, so I'd put my fingers in. The, so know? they were pitted. Yes. Okay. So I would wear like the big the big olives on my hands, and then pluck them off one by one, and now. They taste like metal and salt and disappointment. Yes. I think they're so gross. But also, I used to hate green olives, you know, like the just regular green olives with the pimento, the kind that go in a martini. Yeah. I love them now. It's the I, martini, I, should... I think, that changed your mind, <laughs> if we're being honest. Okay. Hey. I'll give that one to you. It's like, you know, a drink and a meal all in one. <laughs> I, you, What's you, for dinner? Ah, <laughs> oh, martinis. I'm going to drink about 10 of them and just eat the olives in each one. I'm kind of hungry, extra hungry, so maybe double olives in the martini. Okay, 
you're making me sound like the biggest <laughs> lush in the world. I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm just your drunk wife yep. that you like drag around behind you. Like, come on, honey, <laughs> let's go sit on the couch, whatever. Bail you out of jail and stuff. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh my God. All right. Uh, I'll share something on my list. Okay. Steakums. Ugh. So this was great because like when once I remembered having these wait, all the time. Wait, okay, but do they make those still? They do not. See, so, so I don't think that's fair game no, because you couldn't go back and be like, I'm going to try a steakum. Well, and be like, this is disgusting. What was I thinking? We didn't discuss this criteria at the time because like there's several things on my list that are no longer available. See, but that's like more nostalgia. But food, would I, I really eat them now? No. <laughs> We're no. getting to that. <laughs> So this, and I know this story. This was kind awesome. of an, this was kind of an internet rabbit hole that I fell down because when I, once I was reminded of Steakums, then I did some some very uh, important investigative oh, research here. Okay. There's a great article on mental floss if you want to seek it out. Um, so Steakums, for those that don't know, they were described as chopped and formed emulsified meat product. <laughs> That's comprised of beef trimmings left over after the animal is slaughtered and all of the primary cuts, such as tenderloin, filet, and ribeye, are removed. The emulsified meat is then pressed into a loaf. Sounds delicious, huh? Sliced and frozen. You know what, And they're so thin, 30 seconds aside, all you need. Here's the thing. That sounds an awful lot, because as a teenager, I used to work at Arby's. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't get it twisted. I love Arby's roast beef. Although I haven't had it since I worked there. But that's exactly what the roast beef that, you know, would come up in like these big press slabs and you'd put it on the slicer. Steakums. Well, oh, so to follow up on my Steakum story. Please share your Steakum story. When I was a teenager, uh, you know, older teenager, maybe I was even like a young adult. You were, you had to have been over over 18. 18. Okay. So we'll, we'll clarify that. Um, but you know, like a lot of young adults, I was broke and to, uh, subsidize some income and get some beer money, I would, uh, donate blood. Not uncommon. Lots of kids do it. And I remember one morning having some steakum sandwiches for breakfast before I headed off to the blood bank to donate. And I'm sitting there in the chair and they're, they got the IV inserted and they're trying to like get the blood flowing. And it was like, just not, it was just not flowing. It was like grease was like coursing through my veins. (laughs) And I actually had to like go back at another day or time when my blood was a little thinner. (laughs) That is so disgusting. (laughs) Because the steakums were like clogging up everything. (laughs) That is so gross. I too used to uh, donate plasma to the things that we did. Ugh, man. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know if I have anything else to say about steakums. Uh, They were, it was sold to uh, Heinz in 1980 for 20 million bucks. That was a, that was a and bad investment because yeah, <laughs> they, they really took off after that. These were uh, invented and brought to market in 69 by this uh, family of butchers in, um, I think, a Philadelphia area. And they were, they were looking for a way to reuse these discarded cuts I mean, of meat. it's resourceful. Yeah. I mean, and if you think about it, really, there's all kinds of like loaf 
meats. Pressed meats. Like head cheese and spam. And I mean, if we're talking about using trimmings and all the undesirable parts, we're talking hot dogs, you know? So, um, all right. Just an extension of that. What else you got on your list? I have to say fruit juices in general. I mean, yes, I love the way they taste and whatever, but to me, it's just a bunch of like wasted calories. Lots of sugar. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's not, obviously it's not the same as like drinking a can of Coke. Are you talking like Five Alive or something? No, I'm talking just like, well, yeah, all that kind of stuff is is just gross to me too. Can you hear Um, our dog Olive barking in the background? Neighborhood watch. She seems to like want, a, like has to make noise every single time. She episode. wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Let me in. Yeah, trying to like, it's like the dog equivalent of photo bombing right? on the podcast. Um, so, yeah. So fruit juices. Yeah. I mean, I'll drink like a green juice or a carrot juice or whatever, but just, I think fruit juices are a total waste of calories. I, I feel you. You know. Want to know the next one on my list? No, not really. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. (laughs) Okay. When was the last time you, although I guess like if we've been at hotels and they have their breakfast there, they've got like the cereal. What is is your objection to Cinnamon Toast Crunch on my list? Well, no, but like when was the last time you had Cinnamon Toast Crunch? But that's that's what this whole list is about, (laughs) lady. I guess you're right. I don't eat it anymore. You forget the question? I think, I think, couldn't you, could, wait, couldn't you just lump all sugar cereals? Well, sure, that? but I'm just speaking from my own experience. You, you got your own list over there. Look at me railroading I know. you. I'm such an asshole. Like, all, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> all right, so. Look at what he has to live with. To, to follow up, sugar. Yeah. Fructose. Got some of that in the pantry, right? Maltodextrin. We don't have any of that. Dextrose. Okay. We could probably make some up in, on our own, like just, you know, with pantry ingredients. Okay. So one cup has a 170 calories and four grams of fat for Cinnamon Toast Crunch. See, if that's that doesn't seem bad to me at all. Well, I'll get a box next time we're at the store. <laughs> but I don't want to eat sugar cereal. Although, you know what? Like, grow. oh, here we go. Growing up, my... um. My stepdad was diabetic, so we never had sugar cereal in the house at all. It was all like Cheerios or Special K. And my best friend, Jen Mettler, uh, always had, I loved going, she lived down the street. I loved going to her house and I would just eat. She had all the good stuff? I would eat bowls of Fruity Pebbles and and her dad, Mick, like loved, um, he always read the National Enquirer, so I wouldn't be able to catch up on the gossip rags. Was he also the one that was offering you walleye? Yes. So when he wasn't pushing walleye on you, you were eating uh, fruity pebbles. What? So what was your what was your cereal of choice growing up, or did it kind of change? It kind of changed. I really liked Cinnamon Life. Okay. I mean, it's not super sugary, and yeah. I liked Honey Nut Cheerios too. It's like the boring version of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It is. Yep. You know what I thought was horrible were um, some frosted mini wheats. Oh, those things would rip up the roof of your mouth. Yeah, I wasn't really keen on those. You had to <laughs> let them soak. It was yes. always like a challenge to not have them be too abrasive too and too yeah, yeah. <laughs> soggy. It was like a sweet spot. 
which lasted just, you know, a few seconds. Uh-huh. So you really had to like gobble it down. Shovel it in. Yeah. All right. Uh, Totino's pizza rolls. <gasps> oh, you know, okay. bite yes. into them, burn your mouth. I think I'm just now starting to <laughs> regain the sensation on the roof of my mouth from eating hot lava pizza rolls. We in always my youth. had pizza rolls at Jen's. Of too. course. What, what's not to like? So, uh, six rolls have 270 calories, eight grams of fat, 370 milligrams of sodium. <laughs> That, that is a lot of sodium. Yes, it is. That'll give you like water retention for days. And you know, the best part was when I was doing my my research for this podcast. I think it's funny that you like looked up all these old oh, yeah. foods and research. I wanted them. to find out some fun facts. So I, I Googled Totino's pizza rolls. And then in the search results, when it when it comes up and they'll have like frequently asked questions. <laughs> and like at the top of the list was, do pizza rolls give you diarrhea? <laughs> So there you go. I think that kind of says all you need to know. <laughs> sure. So okay. Um, what else you got? I'm gonna say fast food. It's been over two decades since I have set foot into a McDonald's or Burger King or Taco Bell. We have two exceptions that come to mind. Mm. Five guys. Yes, I was. Which we say. have not had for like over a year, yes. but that was like our kind of like cheat day mm-hmm. indulgence kind of thing. And I know what you're going to say next: In and Out. Yes. yes, and that of course is when we travel because there aren't any in the yes. Chicago area. But uh, if we go someplace that has an In and Out burger within you know a few hours, we'll make that journey. Maybe not a few hours, but, but just you know what other, I'm saying. Just the other day, though, I was talking about how, and from time to time, I'll be like, ooh. I really want some chicken McNuggets, like specifically McDonald's chicken McNuggets. But I know I would be so like it just tastes like salt and like fat. And that's what makes it so good. Uh, I I, mm-hmm. I crushed my share of nugs back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I think probably started off on six pieces when I was a youth, and then worked my way up to like I when I was a teenager. Oh my gosh, I, I could, could probably like gobble. 20 of them. I could have I could totally house like a 20. What was your piece. favorite sauce? Um I liked the um sweet and sour and I liked the spicy mustard. Yep. And the barbecue was good too. It was a little sweet. It was too sweet. <laughs> All right. I could tell my the my first time eating chicken McNuggets uh story here but I won't because it's I'll ramble and it'll be long. Okay. Maybe another podcast, maybe a special podcast episode of just, just your chicken nugget story. All right. I don't think so. Next on my list, Jell-O pudding pops. Okay. Number one, I would still eat those today. Which flavor? All of them. They were Even gross. vanilla? Yes. That was the one that I think sank the company. <laughs> no one wanted vanilla. What? I don't know. I'm just... I'm just just reporting what I'm what I'm reading. Okay. Uh, there are still over thirty six Google searches. Thirty six. Thirty six hundred. Excuse me. Google searches per month for uh, you know where you can get Jello pudding pops. They were discontinued in two thousand four ish. There is a DIY recipe on the Jello website. I'm though, sure there if is. If you want to make your own, and I kind of I kind of want to. We need to borrow someone's um, popsicle makers, though. Oh, you know what? What? I got something else. 
Okay. Do you have something else on your list? I yes. Okay, I go for it. Okay. Um, frosting. Like the t- plastic tub of like cake frosting. Yes. Just any. It, um, I don't like frosting unless it's cream cheese frosting, and then I only like it when I make it because I don't make it very sweet. So this tub of frosting was this like something you would eat on the rig, just by itself. No, here's the thing is like, I used to like, you know, just like when you eat cake and then you scrape, you know, you like, you scrape off the frosting and eat it first. Uh-huh. But nowadays I just like take the cake and scrape off the frosting. But was this, was this homemade frosting or like frosting from well, a tub? Just, and generally any kind of frosting. Like if you like when, when, when a parent buys like a sheet cake, you know, a birthday cake from the grocery store and you have that like really gross sugary buttercream that's on there huh. like that to me just sets my teeth on edge i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna have to appeal to the judges for that uh inclusion because like that's not something you could just go buy in the store that's like kind of a, like a component of a dish well you can buy it well yes and the tubs of frosting too oh okay. that's included in there all right I guess I didn't answer. You asked me and I didn't answer. That's fair. Pretty much any kind of frosting. All right. You you did not discriminate when it came to frosting. <laughs> but it's all equally bad. Okay. Uh, you know what's next on my list? Give it to me. Hot Pockets. Which, you know, might inspire like the Hot Pocket versus Pizza Roll debate and which one is better. Uh, it's just a larger version with a bigger mouth burn. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, if you want to be efficient with burning the roof of your mouth, hot pockets are the way to go. Although um, some of the like some of the fillings they had, bleh. like the Philly cheesesteak, always seemed disgusting. I think really only the only hot pocket that I ever actually kind of enjoyed was a pizza hot pocket. Did you ever have that candy corn flavor hot pocket? What? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Now I'm just making stuff up. Yeah, you are. In the news recently, did you know that Nestle recently recalled over 700,000 pounds of the pepperoni Hot Pockets due to a possible glass or plastic contamination? Oh, whoops. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, that's not one of the ingredients in in the Hot Pockets. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, Here we go. Those little hug fruit barrel things. I don't think I know those. Yes, you absolutely do. They're those little white barrels with the with the foil top. Okay. That has different colored juices in them. Oh, and they were like the the barrel was made out of wax. No, kind of? no? no, it was a plastic. It was a huh. plastic container. I don't think I ever had those. To Shut be honest up, with how you, how did no, you not? I don't know. Oh, I had those little wax things that had the little like. Yeah, no, sweet. those are candies. Yeah, but this was just like a straight up like juice container, Ooh. and it didn't like really taste like any kind of. So what was the portion flavor? size? They were they were like um, I don't know. I'd say like six ounces. Okay, six five ounces. They were pretty small. Were they really sweet? They were so sweet. Huh. And they didn't like so it's really. like sugar water. Yes. Okay. They didn't really have like a specific flavor. It just really. all kind of tasted the same. It all kind of tasted like sugar <laughs> and like some, maybe some kind of flavoring agent. All right. I, I know they still sell them today too. Huh. Because I looked it up and you can buy a, you can buy a flat of them on Amazon. A flat. <laughs> <laughs> Delivery truck's going to be pulling up in our 
alley next week. Not that bit. I'm not talking about a huge flat. Right in here, boys. Put it on the garage floor. (laughs) I'm not talking about a pallet. (laughs) That'd be pretty awesome, though. Do you have another thing on your list? Uh, Gas station frozen burritos, which I, you know, that was like... Convenience store foods. It's funny because I remember eating those like, you know, kind of throughout high school and young adult life. It was just like convenient to like pick one of those up and gobble it down on my way to somewhere. Yep. Getting into trouble. And uh, we were just, you know, as we were talking about doing that Amboy book... There was uh, something in that book where he was talking about like, you know, that this was my drinking food when I was in high school. And then he was like, yes, I know some people are going to read that and say, you drank in high school? And he's like, yes, I drank with my friends in high school. I feel so, like most people. Uh, you well, know, if this is me. confession time. Yes, I drank when I was in high school. Sorry, mom. <laughs> but I drank and She's ate gonna- gas station frozen burritos. <laughs> Um, I think that's about it on my list. I mean, I'm sure this could be a completely different list next week. What do you got on yours? One last thing is like any kind of snack cake, like Little Debbie's. Yep. I had my fair share of those too. Because I feel like uh, all the frosting, like all the, the fillings taste like vegetable shortening and sugar, which I'm sure that's what they are. Yep. Uh, and then the cake is always dry and just crummy. Remember and those Hostess fruit pies? Did you ever have those? Yeah. And like heat them up and they'd like burn the roof of your mouth with hot apple filling. I didn't <laughs> like, I didn't like the sugar glaze on the top of those. So, okay. I, didn't, so I didn't really eat those. All right. But yeah. And then, and then also the frosting that they coated in is just always like gross and thin and waxy and really doesn't have any flavor. Yeah. Remember so, those cinnamon buns that had the like white glaze on I've them? I've never eaten one of those in okay. my life. Because that was another like snack appe- cake kind of thing. Never appealed to me. Do you ever uh, do any of the like Twinkies or Ho Hos or Ding Dongs or anything like that? Oh yeah, like I used to love um, snowballs. Remember snowballs, those? Yes, and now when I think about it, like that marshmallow, like it's super spongy and I'm, gross. I mean, we and, talked about this on a previous episode. Yeah. Like, I don't think either one of us are big marshmallow fans uh-uh. in general. And the cake is dry as fuck. Yes, like those little cake balls are like the desert. And then remember, uh, St. Patrick's day, they'd, put out green ones yes. and like Easter they'd put out pink, pink ones. ones yes but still tasted the same you know what I kind of would love to try are the um hostess cupcakes that I don't know if it's a year-round thing or if it's just a spring thing but they do like an apple version and huh. it's got like a kind of tannish tannish um frosting on yeah. top i remember like a spiced loving, apple yes kind of i thing. remember okay. yeah like a yeah i remember loving those as a kid huh if you ever see those at the grocery store or something while you're out get you a pallet grab no just <laughs> grab me a pack i'm fine right. with one pack all right <laughs> trying to be nice offer you a pallet of i mean i'll eat cupcakes. one and the rest is all on you uh, so next, reckon reckon with that my next business venture <laughs> all right so we we are rambling. Yep. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk, son. <laughs> All right. Uh, the good book of Southern Baking. So now with this book, as with other baking books and cocktail books for that matter, what we normally do if we decide that we're going to feature one of these is we 
take several weeks Mm -hmm. to kind of work our way through the book because obviously it's just the two of us. We're not going to eat baked goods for a week straight. Mm -mm. Um, Even if we make one thing from the book, it most often goes to our neighbors or it goes in the freezer. And then, you know, so this book was like several weeks in the making. Um, I made two things from it. Victoria made three. So we'll kind of speak of our own experiences on that. Um, if you're not familiar with this book, it's from uh, New Orleans bakery Willa Jean owner Kelly Fields, and it collects over 100 baking recipes combining classics such as biscuits, quick breads, and pies, um, and then mixed with some clever twists on old favors, favorites. And there's even a dog treat recipe, which I made for our dog Olive, who is being a bitch right now and barking in the background. Um, so, yeah. You want to dive in? And uh, why don't you talk about what you made first? We'll go from there. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting Olive on my lap because that tends to calm her down. She'll, uh, if she decides not to bite you instead. She will not bite me. <laughs> what are you talking about? She just bites me. She, lo- she loves me. <laughs> okay. So the first thing that I made was the Willa Jean chocolate chip cookies with vanilla milk. And uh, this cookie used three, well, it called for a La Horna chocolate, which can tend to get a little bit pricey. So what I did was I bought chocolate bars from the grocery store. And it calls for three different uh, types of chocolate. One is like a a, dolce de leche kind of type chocolate. Basically, there were a couple like more milkier milk chocolates and – and it calls for chopping them up rather than just buying chips. Okay. Um, and these were really good. Uh, I liked the con- consistency of them. Um, they were nice and chewy. And we, the vanilla milk was super easy to make. We just used almond milk and a little bit of vanilla bean paste because we did not have any vanilla beans on hand. Um, but, yeah, and I enjoyed them, and we froze them, and we gave some away. Win-win? Yes. Um, what else did you make? Oh, goodness. You're really coming at me. Okay, <laughs> we made ooey-gooey bars. Ooey-gooey bars. Which, the name um, alone. Yeah. Awesome. Which, I mean, they're not to be confused with like an ooey-gooey butter cake, which I believe is a St. Louis thing. Um, but they're a combination of kind of like a, the ooey-gooey butter cake, mm-hmm. which I've never made. And blondies. And it, this actually, they actually kind of remind me of something that my grandma used to bake. Because my grandma did not do a lot of baking. She, um, she. She just had like a limited repertoire of like classics that she'd pull out. Well, she, she got diagnosed with the diabetes. Mm. Um, and she kept like, she kept stuff in her oven. Like she used her oven as a storage space. As you do. Yes. And so like I would be visiting her at her house and be like, grandma, bake me something, you know, cause just I'm- let me move this printer out of the <laughs> oven. <laughs> printer. There were no printers back then. I think it was more like stuff like Cheetos. Just let and me stuff move like my winter and fall clothes out of the <laughs> oven. Mix and mixing bowls and whatnot. Okay. Um, but she, you know, like she would always have like sugar, butter, eggs, and flour on hand. So she had a version of these that she would make. And it completely satisfied me. So, but I have to say, the ones that I made, I kind of wish I would have let them go like maybe two or three minutes longer. Okay. 
I don't think I could store stuff in our oven because, well, number one, we use it all the time, yeah. but I would forget and I'd go to like preheat the oven <laughs> and then be like, what's that smell? Oh, burning plastic. I left that, uh, those videotapes in there. Ah. All right. Last on your list. Okay. The last one was an upside down cake. Showstopper. And she, and, um, she gave a lot of latitude as to what kind of fruits you can use. Like you could use plums or rhubarbs or peaches or apples or pears or whatever. I decided to go with citrus fruits. Yes. And I kind of wish I wouldn't have, but I, I think I would have enjoyed this cake a lot better if I would have like used a different fruit because I used um, blood oranges, caracaras, Sweet lemons. I mean, it was a beautiful cake. It was cake. gorgeous, but I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy the citrus topping. And that was what you had the dried orange slices for, correct? Or was that for something different? No, that was for something. Different. Okay, never mind. <laughs> you- <laughs> I'm, I'm misremembering. Um, but I mean, the cake was absolutely delicious. The cake was a stunner, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy the top. I wish I would have done something better, but that was my, that was my fault. That was my choice. So that's the beauty of upside down cakes Mm -hmm. is you can just let your imagination run wild. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so I made from the book, the banana bread, um, pretty classic preparation. The one thing that I really appreciated is you sprinkle some raw sugar in the bottom of the loaf pan after it's been like buttered, which I've never yeah, and uh, I thought it was a, a clever... It's a new thing for me. Yeah, clever spin. It adds like this nice textural component as well as uh, making sure that the edges are nicely caramelized. Caramelized? <laughs> How do you say it? Caramelized. Okay. But caramelized. if I'm talking about caramel... No, I usually say caramel. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Mystery <laughs> solved, I guess. Um, yeah, b- banana is definitely the focus on this. And of course, like as most of our listeners probably know... Using uh, overripe bananas is kind of the way to the go way to go to maximize the flavor. But also, if you really want to make some banana bread and you don't have overripe bananas, chuck and you have you have actual bananas, chuck them in the freezer, freeze them till the um, peels turn black, mm-hmm. and then you're good. And uh, another nice benefit of this recipe was that it's easy to adapt it if you want like something like bread pudding or muffins. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just use that same batter and just, you know, it's all how you portion it. So that was fun. And then, of course, uh, how could we not make the dog biscuits for Miss Olivia? Um, and, you know, surprisingly, she's kind of picky about what she eats. You'd think like dogs they'll eat anything but she's she turns up her nose at like classic canine favorites like fish and doesn't like yogurt no so she's weird and so she she liked these she gave it two paws up (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah so that was that was what we made but what was in them um I don't recall. I'd have to. I'd have to see. Okay. I'd have to look at the ingredients. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't prepare for that. I was too busy doing my hot pocket research. See, I think you're focusing your energy on the wrong thing. <laughs> That's debatable. Hot pockets. Come on now. All right. Um, let's uh, let's rank this book. All right. Let's uh, rank the shit out of it. All right. What did you give the food photography and styling? Okay, so I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. 
Oriana Corin is the food photographer. There's lots of action shots throughout. So there's like a dish that would have like bites out of it, a spoonful out of it, a forkful out of it. See, a lot that, of, that doesn't seem like an action shot to me. Um, there was a lot of hand shots in okay, there with see, something that's digging an, in. Okay, that's or, an action shot to me. Yeah, a lot of the photos were not necessarily of the completed dish where, you know, here's this cake out of the oven, boom, finished. It would be like rolling out some dough or cutting out biscuits or something. Um, there was a lot of stuff where, uh, you know, like the frosting or the, the glaze would be like dripping off of something. There would be like crumbs kind of scattered around the dish surrounding it. Like motion indicative. Yes. Um, both a combination of overhead shots and kind of 45 degree angles. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites was there's a photo in there with, uh, I think it's a strawberry cake with a hand just kind of smashed Smashing into it. it. I know exactly what you're talking yep. about. Um, minimal props, mm-hmm. mostly just against backdrops. But the, the interesting thing was they were both these kind of rustic backdrops, but also like bright kind of primary colors. Yep, I noticed that too. Um, there's a lot of street photography throughout that kind of captures uh, New Orleans um, and and in particular her restaurant. Um, if I had one critique, it may be that the photos collectively aren't very cohesive and it looks like they could have been photographed or styled by different people. Okay. So that, that was it. But, uh, you know, nothing bothered me. Yeah. It was solid. I gave it a four as well. Okay. Um, I appreciated the the close ups. There were like no enormous tableaus, you know, like big like flat layout shots or no whatever. Not um, that type of book. Um, there was one photo that I really loved. It was for morning buns, and this is just one that stuck out in my head. And it was of the muffin tin, and all of the buns except for one in the tin were gone. Which is something that I would never think to do. I'd be like, right. I'd be like, but you've got all this space and you only have one little, yeah, one little product shot. But it worked. And yeah, yeah. So I gave it a four. Clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, design and layout is the next category. What'd you have for that? I gave it a four as well. Okay. Um, the one thing that I really loved about this, they have a section that's called. Um, Baking year at a glance, and it has a time like it has a timeline of every single like national. I mean, not only like regular holidays, but national this or that day, like National Chocolate Chip Day, National Woman's Day. You know, yeah. like so. There's always an excuse to bake. Yeah, um, I love that, and and then there was also another section called uh recipe for success which is, just talks about it, to me it feels very important to read um cuz it talks about like different flours mm-hmm. um because your ingredients are really important when it comes to baking yes like the difference between using a medium egg and a jumbo egg can completely affect your recipe agreed um so yeah. Oh, and there were also little, um, little dialogue boxes that it's called "What's mine is yours," and yep. it was just her little helpful hints, like you you can add some of this. Yep. Or, Words of wisdom mm-hmm. is what I had. So yes. Okay. Um, I also gave it a four. Okay. We're on the same page. Um, 
So the chapters are divided into, it begins with quick breads, muffins, and biscuits. I would say that's probably the easiest recipes to execute if you're uh, a less experienced baker. Mm -hmm. Then it moves into cookies and bars, puddings and custards, cobblers, crisps, uh, galettes. Galette, yeah. Galettes and pies and tarts. And then lastly with cakes where they're a little bit more involved. So... I think the idea being, and I, I didn't confirm this, but you can kind of start at the beginning of the book and then like work your way up depending on your comfort level or level of experience. So there's a little bit of like kind of something for everyone in there. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, it's okay, so let me clarify. Are you saying that like it's going from like kind of a degree of difficulty? I don't know. That's the thing is I don't know if that was intentional, but it did seem like those earlier recipes in the book are probably going to be a little easier for someone to execute. Oh, yeah. Well, like quick breads are what you, well, what we used to learn and learn in home ec. Yeah. But I think like custards and flans and stuff like that. Mm hmm. For me personally, that shit is hard. Okay. Like, um, That's fair. But. Like I would like if we were doing degree of difficulties, I would like substitute. You know, I would switch like that with like the cobblers and whatnot. Okay. Um, Fair. That's just me. Uh, I acknowledge the "What's mine is yours" uh-huh. section. I thought that was really clever. Um, the book's co-author. Kate Headings has been the editor at Food & Wine for 17 years and manages their test kitchen. She was previously the editor at William Morrow and also worked for Martha Stewart. So she's got a Mm -hmm. pretty impressive pedigree, um, specifically as it relates to cookbooks, because all of the Food & Wine branded cookbooks that they release um, is something that she oversees. Um, and I think that was really helpful in this book because it's got like a really nice, clean, um, effective kind of layout and design. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's where her experience comes in. Um, and I thought it was really smart of uh, Kelly to, you know, enlist her to, to help out with it. So I wanted to give a shout out to her because I thought that was that was worth acknowledging. If I have one critique of the design and layout, it's that the font size is too small. And I know that I'm speaking as like a almost 50 year old person with bad (laughs) eyesight, failing eyesight, but for the love of all things, holy bump up the font size just a bit because this font size is really small. Yes. I mean, it's, it's small. I I agree. Um, Um, but that, but that's all I had. Gave it a four. All right. What did you give it for a degree of difficulty? I gave it a four. Um, I think baking in general requires a little bit more skill and uh-huh. focus and attention to detail. Um, as I mentioned previously, beginners can start at the first chapter and kind of work their way through from there. Um, we've been told by a, a couple people familiar with this book that there were some errors in the book. Uh-huh. We didn't encounter any. No, we didn't. So I, I think it's just maybe something to be aware of. I don't know. They didn't specifically say which recipes had some errors. Yeah. But it's probably just worth noting and being aware of and being prepared for. Well, and here, and that to me, that's frustrating because I'm not a solid baker. And if I made something that didn't turn out because of a recipe error, you know. Yeah. I've. I don't think I would recognize that it's a recipe error. Yeah. And I'd just be like, I fucking suck. Yeah. This didn't turn out. So, you know, it is what it is. 
What'd um, you have? I gave it a 3.5. Ah. And here's the thing. Okay, and I wussed out because I've wanted to kind of like do a little bit of, well, I did cookies and I did cookie bars, but I, I wanted to do a cake. But here's the thing. I don't have, I do not have the mental capacity to do a layer cake because I just, it gives me the worst stress. <laughs> it stresses me out. I've done them before, but just making the frosting and trying to cut the cake straight. And you wouldn't want to see my attempt at a layer cake. You made me a layer cake for <laughs> my birthday for your birthday last year. Yep. It was it was quite lovely, but it was also it was also a naked cake with just some yep. fruit. But it was admirable, and I loved it. Yep, and it was got to know your limits. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah. It, it, the things that I made were not too hard. You just follow the recipe. Yeah. Uh, I I could have done a laminated dough, but I feel like I'm pretty good at those. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 3.5. Right. Works for me. And then the last category, taste. What'd you have? I gave it a five. Okay. Everything we had, I liked, except mm-hmm. for um, the topping of the upside down cake, which was my choice. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give it a four. Okay. No complaints. I give fours all around for this right. book. I thought it was a solid book. If you want to lean into some of the classic kind of Southern baking uh, recipes, this is uh, not a bad place to start. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So if you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. Uh, you can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com as well as our Instagram page at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at wecookbooks. And production assistance was provi- provided by Danny Schaefer. Thank you, Danny. We got to bake that guy a cake. I know, right? He's saved our ass many a time. <laughs> All right. You know what time it is? Funny time. Yes. All right. You ready? Mm, I don't know. You got your funny bone tuned up, ready to go? If you say so. All right. Why were there no leftovers at the Halloween party? Why? Because everyone was a goblin. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy your week. Wear a mask. Be safe.